Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I'm working on with Evergreen Podcasts. I'm the producer of the true crime podcast, Crime Capsule. Writer and host Benjamin Morris takes listeners deep into some of history's most compelling crimes. Each episode will provide a unique perspective on true crime as Morris interviews the authors who have written extensively about everything from the Dixie Mafia to the Thibodeau Massacre. Crime Capsule is an evergreen podcast production in partnership with the History Press and Arcadia Publishing. So we will have an endless and diverse catalog of books to explore. From forgotten serial killers to advancements in DNA, I can guarantee you Crime Capsule will have an episode for everyone. If you're looking for a new show to listen to during the holidays, then download Crime Capsule today at KillerPodcasts.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you find your favorite shows. Crime Capsule is part of Killer Podcasts, the new true crime network from Evergreen. Please join us every Thursday for new episodes. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Slow Burn Media and Evergreen Podcast presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Well, we know wolves killing livestock has been a big concern all along as the state starts to reintroduce them. We're going to, of course, continue to follow this story for you closely. Now to Boulder, where this month marks 25 years since John Benet Ramsey was murdered. New advancements in DNA technology has provided Boulder Police and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation a new look at over 750 crime scene samples. Possible suspects are being run through the system all over again. DNA is one of the leading tools for investigators in this case, and advancing technology could help them get closer to a killer. To this date, her killer remains unknown. It's a story that is infamously mysterious. A six-year-old girl murdered in her home the day after Christmas. 25 years later, the case of JonBenet Ramsey remains unsolved. But new advancements in DNA technology may finally be able to provide some answers. Kelsey Kernstein is here with us right now with an update on the case. Kelsey? Well, Adrian, I think so many of us remember the John Bonet Ramsey case, the six-year-old beauty queen found dead in her basement, like you said. The case ruled a homicide no one ever charged. Now, 25 years later, that could all change with the help of new DNA technology. December 26, 1996, JonBenet Ramsey's mother reports her missing. Later that day, the body of the six-year-old beauty queen is found in the family's basement, strangled and her skull broken from a blow to the head. Suspicions initially surrounded the young girl's family, but they were eventually cleared and no arrests were ever made. There is a DNA profile running in the DNA database and has been for 20 years. 
so there's never been a match. Now the Boulder Police Department says it's working with state investigators on future DNA advancements to try to crack the case. What it indicates to me is they're going to go talk to somebody that does investigative genetic genealogy. While the Boulder Police Department is not offering specifics on how it's using DNA technology in the investigation. University of Virginia chemistry professor James Landers tells News Nation that advances in the area of touch DNA may be helpful. Small amounts of DNA left behind when an attacker touches a victim. That technology in the last 10 years has improved to the point where you don't need as much DNA as you did two decades ago. Landers also says that if DNA from a crime scene doesn't match any DNA in existing databases, investigators can also use technology to match it to a person's relative, like a parent, child, or sibling. Linking a profile to a particular family, in other words, you don't have the exact person, but you've got somebody who's either a brother, or a cousin or a second cousin. And the Boulder Police Department says it cannot answer any specific questions in the case, but also said it's actively reviewing genetic DNA testing processes to see if those can be applied to the case moving forward, Adrian. Yeah, it's just bizarre that even after all this time, with all the technological advances we've had, we still don't know what happened. 25 years later, Adrian. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure to click on the red subscribe button below so you can get more of News Nation's fact-driven, unbiased coverage. Hello and welcome to episode 148 of Who Killed? I am your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media and Evergreen Podcast production. On this week's episode, we'll be wrapping up my conversation with the captain about the infamous John Benet Ramsey murder and the fact that it's been 25 years since the case first hit the headlines. We'll talk about what we hope to see in 2022 and talk about potential suspects as well as what we would like to see with the new DNA advancements. So let's just jump into my conversation with the captain and hope you guys had a great holiday and have a safe New Year's Eve. And so I, to me, once I became a student or once I became a teacher, no matter what my student looked like, I was viewing them as a student. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how else to say this without being so blunt. I don't look at when people say that they were sexualizing her. I don't look at them as sexualizing her, but I have no attraction to a six-year-old kid. No. Absolutely not. So I understand, like, oh, yeah, maybe she's, you know, the dresses weren't, like, super revealing or anything. And, yeah, they put on a little bit more makeup. But is is it to put on more makeup? It's not like you're putting makeup on your child to go to school. You're putting on makeup for them to be on stage. We do this if you're in a musical. Sure. You, you do. So... I don't know. Like, I think people put a lot of fault into that. And yes, you're putting your kid into like a, a weird realm where maybe there are some sickos that go around and watch these things. But there's sickos everywhere. There's there's literally sickos every day driving around schools. You know, looking for that that lone sheep. You know. Yeah. So I don't know how much weight I put into the whole. You know 
that there some of this is their fault because they're putting her in this position because we don't know if the pageants had anything to do no with her death no and and that's a good point because they became the media uh lightning rod you know that was an easy thing for them to put up to kind of generate outrage and almost blame the parents by saying and putting out those videos and questioning, you know, having panel discussions on Nancy yeah. Grace or whatever about whether or not, you know, this is what should parents should be doing with their children. You know, are they exploiting them? You know, and it's just like, okay, well. Yeah, yeah. are they exploiting their child by spending thousands upon thousands of dollars <laughs> to put them in? They're spoiling them, but, yeah. you know. I, I mean, my problem with the pageants would just be, like, depending on what their talent would be. Or how they answer the stuff, you know. I mean, like if you're if you're doing magic tricks, I don't know, but uh, I don't think it's wrong to push your children, you know, what what whatever it is. If they're going to sign up for guitar lessons, push them to be the best guitar player they can be. Yeah, I agree. And with uh, that. you know, or if your kid signs up for soccer then or baseball or whatever, they're not quitting yeah. halfway through the season. So so I I don't mind the aspect that. It was something that Patty, uh, Patsy did herself, and so she wanted to expose her child to that world. I, I don't know if that's a bad thing, yeah, because like the other problem too is like the majority of kids that are molested are molested by somebody they know. So then you're going to have to you're going to start putting the blame on the parents because they were friends with creepos. You know what I mean, like. And they just didn't know that they were creepos. So it's I don't hard know. to know what's in people's closets if they're in people's closets. And again, you know, well, Adam always... Carolla, <laughs> what's that? Adam Carolla, Adam Carolla had this great thing where when they needed like a volunteer, kids are going camping this weekend. We need to volunteer. The first two guys to raise their hand, they're out. <laughs> like, I'll do it. Nope. And, and then you've tried to find the guy that doesn't. Like a hundred percent doesn't want to do it, and that's the guy you want chaperoning the kids going camping. I agree with you a hundred percent on that one. That's a very good one. Good job, Adam Carolla. Yeah, little credit where credits due. Yeah, I I think the one thing that is interesting, you know, all this focus on the parents for like a year. I mean, basically, it's still a question. I mean, they're you know, doing all these writing analysis in 1998 and they ruled out John, but they haven't ruled out Patsy. And it's like, well, okay, well, there's a great, uh, another headline that the media can run with that basically they're not really saying that it's her handwriting. They're just saying they can't rule it out. And therefore it becomes a freaking, you know. Well, I mean, that's true and untrue. So they, they, they rule John out of writing the note. They say that we didn't rule out Patsy, but at some point law enforcement leaks to media that the handwriting sample matched Patsy. There's still people that believe like, well, how do you explain the ransom? I mean, I, I'm, ever since we did these episodes, I mean, once a week I have somebody arguing with me about John Benet Ramsey and they go, well, how do you explain that the handwriting samples match Patsy? I'm like, they didn't. That's just the information that you heard. You know, they, they actually matched more his business partner, and I loved his thing. Like, I mean, he did like I don't know over ten handwriting samples. 
Well, the more you do, the more likely you're going to match because they're going to take a cumulative of all everything you've done. Mm-hmm. So uh, she didn't match, period. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what the actual numbers was, but, but once they knew that she didn't match is when law enforcement leaked that she matched. And, that, and, and that's the thing, too. It's like sometimes with these cases, if you hear a piece of information, you can't get that out of your head. Yeah. So, so if I feed that into, if I can feed that information first to everybody, you're not going to be able to get that out of your head. And so in a sense, it could help them, you know, um, prosecute people that, that shouldn't be prosecuted. So she didn't match the handwriting sample. John didn't match. Um, I think the the ransom note makes it so confusing. Uh, there's also a th- thing in the CBS uh, report where they claim that they can hear Burke in the background and that the parents claim over and over, we don't think Burke was up at the time. So they call 911, and at the end of the call, it sounds like a little kid going like, what happened? What's going on? And they're like, we're not talking to you right now or something like that. And they think like a lot of people have jumped to the conclusion. Oh, well, kids, Burke did something bad. So they're telling Burke, we're not talking to you right now. You know how many times my parents have been on the phone when I was little and they said, I'm not talking with you. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to you right now. I'm not discussing those with you right now. So there's something pressing at the moment. Your sister is dead or no missing at this point. Right. And so, so I think that's the other thing too, is the, the Patsy and John basically say that those next three days are blurs. Yeah. And when they try to remember like the, the timeline or the, the events, they can't, it's all a blur because once they find their child dead, it's almost like all those memories just like mashed up together. And that's a, that's a reason, reasonable explanation so there's constantly times where people are trying to throw them under the bus and they're going, wait a second, we just we don't know the information because all that is a blur. Like when they've asked them, like, well, then, because, look, I couldn't tell. If you asked me last Tuesday, what did I eat for lunch? I don't know. That doesn't mean I was off killing somebody. I just don't know what what I ate for lunch. I don't know what I had for dinner. I don't know if I watched TV that, you know, so I think these people that expect the Ramseys or whoever's involved in these crimes to remember every single detail and, in, in which it happened and what order it happened in. It's just, that's ridiculous. So, and so look, and I think what the parents were trying to say is, okay, if Burke was up we told everybody that he was asleep. We think he was asleep. Well, this it was almost like when the 911 call came out and you kind of hear maybe somebody that is Burke on the phone. Everybody's like, oh, we got him now. Yeah, you see it in the in the report, you know, in the reporting in the media. You know, it's 1998. John, you know, audio enhancement show, shows that Burke was heard in the background and. You know, the Ramses originally claimed that Burke was asleep, and this must mean something. And it's like, right. well, you know, 
special or does it mean they misremembered misremembered or just lots of stuff was going on at that time i'd be a little freaked out too and i don't know if i would remember that especially when there's just such trauma going on i mean it's spetzel gave me a good good example it's like you know eyewitnesses are eh, you know because of the fact that dude tell me the last you know you bump into somebody at the mall yesterday tell me what he looked like you know it's just right. like now of course malls don't exist anymore it'd be like more like hey you bumped into somebody at at Amazon or whatever. Right, right. You know, I don't know. But <laughs> I went to the mall yesterday. It was very strange. Did you really? Yeah, it was, it was like a nice mall. I'm like, 20 years ago, it was a nice mall. <laughs> and now it's like half the stores are closed. Uh, and, and just... it's, it's terrible what's happened with the malls. But but yeah, the, the thing about the ransom note that gets me, always gets me, is the fact that it's two and a half pages long. Yeah, what the essentially hell are you doing writing two and a half pages worth of material. Yeah, and essentially it it was written on paper and pinned that they believe came from the house. Yes, they believe it was Patsy's uh notebook paper, I think it was, or something yeah. along those lines. But but that's the thing too, is like, you know, if you believe that it was somebody close to the house, I mean or close to the family, like I said, two days prior they had slipped that out. Yeah, you're just there, and for whatever reason, you grab a pad and paper and, and a pen, and you go, I'm going to use this. Or, what? What? I don't know if this is Nick's theory or not, but one of the things that we always kind of discussed was they went to this party. Their friends and family would have known about the party. So it's not impossible to think because the house was so big that the person came in while, while they're at the party. That is something that I think is really likely because of the fact that there's no forced entry. There's no way that they could have come in through that door. Like we talked about earlier. I mean, the, the cobwebs were in the window in the basement that, you know, nobody entered that way. Right. I imagine that if this person was a family friend that he did exactly that that he was laying in wait and he could have easily been in that cellar where she was found right because it was a big house and it was a you know they did just have it i mean if you're a family friend you know stuff about the home so, yeah, I mean, from my reports, uh, 27 keys that they had no clue where they went. 27, 27 keys. keys. Because they had gardeners, cooks, they had maids. And op- that opens up that, so many doors, pun intended. But but also, well, but also law enforcement, there's people in law enforcement that state there was doors open or unlocked when they got to the house yeah there was one door that was unlocked and hey you know i think it's the back door things you know yeah but again if you know the house i know like my grandparents house they lived in a big old house in clifton park which is a old money area here in northeast ohio and you know they had like a you know an old cellar and they there was an extra door that you know was in the back behind 
like you wouldn't even know it was there unless you had been to that house before. Right. But you could get into the house and have free reign. And I do think that's a great thought, especially if this guy, like even if it wasn't a family friend, but somebody that was on that particular tour and kind of went on that tour because he knew that's where John Bonet lived and that he was not just scoping out her, but scoping out where he could hide and how he could get in. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're possibly is there longer than a day. I mean, it's almost 8,000 square foot. I mean, that's a big house and that's i don't think that's including the basement square footage no most most yeah most uh i don't believe uh real estate counts the basement square footage so i mean right. you got to imagine how much room and space room or space there would be to to hide and you could like you said it could have been a couple days i mean it, yeah. hey take some food and whatever but when they leave, you use the bathroom, you know, do the, whatever you need to do. Or Well, and there was a neighbor, um, and he's not talked about a lot, but that, that night, roughly after Patsy claimed she was in bed, he, he thought it was Patsy or John or somebody just up moving around. So somebody was up moving around mm. after she's claiming that they're both in bed. Right. And so... Um, doesn't mean it couldn't be her, but but the but the neighbor never he could never confirm who it was. So, but again, also let's say you're dressed up like Santa Claus. You show up. I'm going to dress up like Santa Claus. If they see me and I'm, but I'm a family friend. I'm like, oh, I was just dropping off these gifts for John Bonet and 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 Burke. You know. I just wanted to surprise him. Here's here's the gifts I got. All I have to do is show up with a couple gifts uh, in your Santa Claus suit. I mean, somebody, I believe somebody fed her. Um, I And I, I don't think it was Patsy. But again, even if it was Patsy and Patsy doesn't remember that, that doesn't mean she's a killer. It just means that she's misremembering information. And again, I... I when even saying that makes me seem like I'm giving him such a benefit of the doubt, but I, but I would just have a hard time. I mean, you look at West Memphis three, for example, all those parents that are dealing with their child the next day that they find dead, all of their stories are a little, you could dive through and pick through and, and go, this person's lying. But I don't think the person's lying. I, I think they're just misremembering because it was such a... I couldn't imagine a, a more traumatic situation for a parent. Yeah. I mean, you you got to imagine, especially in the cases like West, West, Memphis, West Memphis 3, and we're talking 30... I mean, was that 92, 91? I don't know. Something along those lines. But yeah. then... Oh gosh! I mean, again, it's so hard. Who won the Super Bowl last year or two years ago? I mean, or who won the World Series? Things that you think you would remember, and you're just like, oh, I right. don't know. Does that mean I was out on a killing spree during the Super Bowl? No, right. <laughs> but I just don't. You know, I can't remember. Or like, that. you know, even just like thinking about the holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Um, yes, happy holidays. 
But even holidays, 10 years old, what did you get? I don't remember. I don't remember what I got. Uh, specifically, I at, as a 10-year-old, no, I have no recollection. I mean, I can say I got a Nintendo at some point. Some point, <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. I, I don't believe, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean. I wasn't cool, cool enough to ask for, like, cool gifts. I, I still remember, like, CDs were becoming a popular thing, but I didn't have any. So, like, my parents were like, do you want to, because I was like, I want a boom box. And they're like, cool, do you want a CD player on it? And I'm like, uh, not necessarily, you know, I, I don't need one. And so my since my dad is so practical and cheap, they just <laughs> bought, they bought the tape player boom box. Oh. And then, like, a year later, I was like, oh, well, this is kind of obsolete now. And so I asked my dad, "Well, why didn't you why didn't you buy me a boombox with a CD on it, a CD player on it?" And he's like, "Well, at the time, the the tape deck ones were so cheap that he was like, well, just get him the cheap one. That's what he asked for." Uh, and my mom's going, "No, we need to get him the CD player one." He's like, "Nah, that's not what he asked for. He asked for this cheap one." So no, I, I you know, so I I don't know how much. Um, and, and look, I, and why do we point guilty finger at somebody because they don't remember the information? I mean, I understand that some people think that they're lying, but I think I think the person was going to take them. I don't think the person was ever going to take them back. I don't think they were going to hold them for ransom and take them back. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? And like get this payday. I think they were going to take them somewhere because the crime was motivated sexually. And they're probably going, you know, probably similar to like the Amy Mihalovic situation. Take take her somewhere and then eventually, you know, kill her to cover up that crime. But the fact that she never got out of the house, that's what makes the the story so much more interesting is that you have this ransom note and also like back to the pageants if the parents want to blame themselves for anything without those pageants and without those videos and without the millions upon millions of pictures this case would have never been as big as it was because now nowadays you you take even like delphi for example both victims were on social media. Their their parents were on social media. Their friends were on social media. You can start gathering up hundreds of images of the victims very quickly. And back in the 90s, that just wasn't possible. And especially if somebody, if, if the family didn't want to talk to the media, now they they might have hundreds of pictures, but they're not going to share those. And also because those pageants were, uh, you know, a lot of those, they they have photographers come and take a bunch of pictures and then say, hey, if you want these pictures, you got to pay us. Well, they have that, you know, backlogged and all those contestants had to uh, sign waivers to let them take their picture. So, so many people were selling those images to the media. Yeah. You know. And that's another disgusting aspect of the media and exploitation of chi- of a child in my opinion especially yeah. since the, you know in the 90s like you said there weren't digital cameras and uh you know cell phone cameras and instagram and 
all the other stuff that you can basically just any news station can just pull any image they want for whatever but to have like an actual video of her performing like a song yeah. and dance routine or her in a you know all these different outfits i mean it was just like as somebody who worked in the media that's media gold because you just content content and then you have a lot of questions about whether or not it's is this a smart thing to be doing with your child and it opens up all these yeah. different avenues of discussion but again it doesn't ever really solve the case or get anywhere near uh a suspect i mean i i know like anytime you okay you just like delphi we were talking about delphi you could Google Delphi, and then there's going to be ten suspects that come up, just yeah. because they were something happened, and they sort of look like Bridge Guy or whatever. Or they're they're in the area, yeah. Or and had they ties to the area. And they put their names out there. I mean, who knows? I mean, some of these people, yeah. If they did something to a child, then who cares? You know, they deserve yeah. to be shamed for that. But you you have this other guy. I mean, you look up, you know, the details about. Um, John Benet and you know from 2018 they had a guy who you know this guy Glenn Meyer who was apparently living across the street in somebody's basement secretly well right that's kind of uh disturbing and uh, I can't imagine that that doesn't uh, at least ring some bells to investigators and it totally backs up the theory of what you were saying about somebody being inside the house before well then on top of that you know the da comes out and and rules out yes john patsy and burke and if you actually read that report the da da that they're using to rule them out is a mixture so, so that doesn't mean that it couldn't be john it doesn't mean it couldn't be patsy it just means that it's like the dumbest thing like we, we're going to double down on them and, and blame them for this murder put their life through hell and then then come back and apologize but the the apology doesn't make any sense because you shouldn't be clearing them anyways because the evidence doesn't actually clear them but you know yeah and i'm glad that you reached out to just talk because it's always good to talk to you um but today they come out with this information that hey we do have dna and we can we can test it um I believe it would be familiar or familiar. however you say that. Yeah, familiar. Familial. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, this is nope, the statement not. from the, the police, and it's, it's short and sweet, but I'm just going to read it verbatim, and it's the statement on the 25th anniversary of the John JonBenet Ramsey murder. As of December 2021, the Boulder Police Department has processed more than 1,500 pieces of evidence related to the murder of John JonBenet Ramsey. John Bonet was six years old when she was reported missing on December 26, 1996, after her family reported finding a ransom note inside their home in the 700 block of 15th Street. Her body was found in a basement room, and a later autopsy revealed that the cause of her death was strangulation. As of December 2021, that evidence has included the analysis of nearly 1,000 DNA samples. The BPD Major Crimes Unit has received, reviewed, or investigated more than 21,000 tips, letters, and emails. And detectives have traveled to 19 states to interview or speak with more than 1,000 people in connection with this crime. But thanks to the huge advances in DNA technology, multiple suspects have 
been run through the system to check for matches. CBI has updated over 750 reference samples with the latest DNA technology. The Boulder Police Department works closely with CBI on future advancements, DNA advancements. Additionally, Boulder Police have worked with CBI to ensure DNA in the system can be compared correctly to DNA samples that have been uploaded to ensure accuracy. The DNA is checked regularly for any new matches. And then it goes on to state, basically, as the department continues to use new technology to enhance the investigation, it is actively reviewing genetic DNA testing processes to see if those can be applied to this case moving forward. So, basically, they're just saying, yeah, we do have some stuff, and we have to kind of dot our I's and cross our T's to see if it's even applicable in this familial DNA situation. And uh, it is interesting, though. Well, and also what Lou Schmidt, uh, which was a detective they brought in to, yes. and, and he's kind of the one that started the intruder theory. I think he was wrong about it. I mean, he starts claiming that they went through this window in the basement, that, but like you were saying, there's cobwebs. Yep, yep. So it's like, I think that's the window they were trying to leave out of. Um, and I don't know why they would pick that direction. Why wouldn't you? I think the, the, the killer got spooked and decided, okay, well, I'm just going to abandon the plan and just leave. Um, maybe heard something in the house, got spooked and, and took off. Maybe the way that they came in, or maybe even just through the front door. I mean, who knows? I mean, it wouldn't be that suspicious on Christmas night, even if it was midnight or after 1 o'clock that you saw a guy in a Santa suit walking out of a house. Um, I mean, obviously nobody saw that. But but what Lou Schmidt's family is doing, because he was so adamant that the he had a list of people and he said the killer is on that list. And his family, along with John Bonet's uh, family, I think John Ramsey's involved, and I think her half brother's involved. I don't know how much Burke is involved. But they have an investigation team that they're heading up, and they're going and finding these guys and either getting them to submit samples or they're following them around until they can get a pop can or a cigarette butt or something. And I know that they've already cleared like 30, 40 some people off his list. So I hope we get answers, but it's, you know, it's, you know, I think every year that we're coming to the end, especially with like True Crime Garage, like one of the things that me and Nick talked about was like, oh, I hope 2020, I mean, think about the, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place right now, but you think about some of the that. cases. <laughs> you never. I just go in circles. Uh, but think about some of the big cases that were solved. I mean, you know, Golden State Killer, most people didn't think were ever, was ever going to be solved. And it gets solved. And so maybe 2022 is the year John Bonet gets solved. Maybe it's the year that we finally have charges brought against somebody in the, the Delphi murders. Maybe it's the Amy Mahalvik case. Um, that's what's kind of interesting and and we still have somewhat of our youth. Um, so in the next 20 years, I think we're going to see a lot of big cases that people thought were never going to be solved, solved. Yeah, I mean, we can only hope. I mean, it really has gotten to the point where a lot of these cases that we've covered, like Mihaljevic's, uh, 
you, Brian Schaefer, you've covered. You know, you just eventually you hope one day you'll find an answer, but as the time goes by, you just kind of lose. You lose hope, and it it's discouraging. I'm sure it's got to be way worse for John. You know, Patsy has since yeah. passed away from cancer, and you know, for her brother. I mean, look at her brother. I mean, he's been accused of killing his sister for the last twenty years, and it's like, all right, well, that doesn't make much sense. And he's sued everybody who's said that. So. And you have to give depositions when you do stuff like that. So you don't put yourself on the line right. out there if you're guilty. So I don't buy that he is involved with this whatsoever. That's just my honest yeah. opinion. Yeah, no, and I also love when people go, I saw him on Dr. Phil and he smiles funny. Like, that's nothing to do. Yeah, maybe he smiles funny because his six year old sister was murdered. And it was because and and because of that trauma and the fact that when he went to the grocery store with his parents, he would see, you know, Burke killed John Bonet or, you know, Patsy and John killed John Bonet or the fact that Patsy was accused of child molestation. John Ramsey was accused of child molestation. That is a lot to uh, for a nine year old to deal with. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk yeah. about impacting your like most transformative years of your life. I mean, your brain's just beginning to form and at nine, yeah. all this stuff is coming at you. And yeah, like you said, at the grocery store, every single magazine for the next year had something about the John Bonet case. Yeah. How could he ever escape that? Or how much it was on TV. Like you said, uh, I mean, I remember when the Casey Anthony trial was happening, it seemed like it was Nancy, you know, Nancy Grace oh, every night tot, was talking about it, you know. Yeah, and, and and my girlfriend at the time, it was like every night, just hours of them just regurgitating the same shit. And, and you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we're fascinated with this stuff and we can't turn away. Um, but it, it was like a perfect storm, you know, you know, a very pretty girl, uh, uh, a family uh, with money, um, a nice area, Christmas. Uh, the, I think the house looking small helped the case because I think if it, if they would have showed a mansion, it might have not blew up. But but like you said, the the content that they had, the amount of pictures. Um, and there's a there was a new thing that came out. It was supposed to be a series. I think it only lasted one episode, and so maybe they just did a pilot and then released it. But John Ramsey actually showed the last picture that he took of um, John Bonet, and she, of course she's like a six year old kid, so she has no makeup on, and she looked tired, and she was just looking up at her dad like, "I'm tired. Can we go home now?" And that was the night that he took her into the house and put her to bed. And that's the night that she was killed. And, and I don't know if you do this, but you know, I feel like sometimes true crime scars you a little bit and I'll go to a family function around the holidays and they'll be like, Oh, well, little Joey, 
you know, he's he's growing up. He's I go, yeah, yeah, he's looking pretty big now. How old is he? Six or eight or ten or twelve or whatever. And then I start thinking about the victims that we've covered and oh man, you know, he's so little at six, you know. Yeah. And so little at ten and, and you start and he, and I <laughs> I'm I'm good now. I don't let that slip out of my mouth. Oh, that's the same age as <laughs> the victims the most, in West Memphis Three. Yeah. You know, yeah, the West. But, West I mean, especially with all the the graphic pictures that were included in the you know uh, Paradise Lost documentaries. I mean, those are images that. <sighs> well, sa- same with John Bonet, though. You know, those where you can see you know autopsy photographs of her neck and and different parts of her body and you know it's a it's a tough case and and people always ask me if you could solve one case i mean right now it, it would be a toss-up between the delphi murders and, and john bonnet but i think there's a lot of armchair tech armchair detectives a lot of sleuthers that still gravitate to to the John Bonet Ramsey case and if it was solved then maybe we would learn from our mistakes and maybe move forward in a better direction so we could work harder on some other cases yeah and I think that John Bonet unfortunately falls into that white girl yeah. pretty blonde syndrome that the media falls for every time you know yeah, but, but maybe she started it Nah, I mean it's it's possible, but I mean it's always. I mean, Amy was a big story. Uh, yeah. So I mean, again, it's just like <clears throat> there was just so, like you said, there was just so much material that they had to to work with that they could continue telling new sides of the story. And then let's not forget that you know John and Patsy, you know, there was all sorts of rumors that they weren't cooperating with police, and then you know for then they get named as suspects like you said and then it's like okay all right where is this really going i mean it's like well think about how many books and movies and documentaries were made whether you could just the we're not going to tell you any new information but there's new pictures you've never seen yeah and it might just be some christmas photos that they found from two years ago because that's the other thing it wasn't just the pageant pictures patsy they had money, so they liked taking family photos. Sure. You know? Um, <laughs> we took a family photo um, <laughs> a couple days ago, like the, the whole like cousins and everybody. And uh, I was like, we haven't done that in like 25 years. I know. I was, think- I was so. thinking about doing that the last time our family was together. I'm like, we need to do, like, we used to do that. It seemed like we used to do it every time we got together. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like and now just it's, sit on the steps and like have like the different generations, and it's like now that we have cell phones and stuff like that with more accessibility than ever. Yeah, we just don't take family photo as many. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. So, no, but you know, I wish I wish the case would sol- get solved, and, and I'm I, that will be my wish this year uh, on Christmas and on the New Year's that. Um, I mean, like this, uh, off the top of my head, that we solve John Benet Ramsey's case, we solve Delphi murders, and we solve Amy Mihaljevic, and, and if we could solve those three next year, it'd be a pretty good year. It'd be a hell of a year. Yeah, one hell of a year. So I know that you have got to roll, sir. 
But I yes. thank you so much for coming on and discussing this case. I know that this case is close to your heart, and uh, you definitely have a, a good perspective on it, and uh, do appreciate you coming on, because the audience always asks after Nick is on, why wasn't the captain there? Because <laughs> well, we don't like each yeah, other. Yeah, they well, we like each other, but uh, no. So uh, no, it was great to uh, talk with you, and I hope you have a great holiday. Yeah, and, and you uh, as well, and everybody else. And where can uh, people find all your shows? Uh, just truecrimegarage.com, dot com, and we're on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. But uh, but I also look forward to you. I hope we both get to hang out in uh, Vegas this yeah, year. Yeah, baby, crime con, crime con, Vegas, baby. Yeah. All right, that will do it for Who Killed John Benet Ramsey. Don't forget to check out my new podcast, Big Mountains and Old Friends. It just started on December 28th. I will be traveling all over North America visiting some of the best ski resorts. So join me for the adventure of a lifetime. And thank you to the captain for making time out of his schedule for this special holiday episode of Who Killed. And thank you to evergreen podcasts for bringing me on board as not only a producer but a place to host my show so as you guys know i drop new episodes of who killed every friday if you enjoy this podcast and my other shows you can help support the podcast by using my paypal username at william huffman three or you can contribute to the show via the Venmo app with my username at Bill-Huffman-3. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Every contribution, big or small, helps keep these slow burn media podcasts running. You can also help support the show by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to your favorite shows because those five stars do help to keep the important cases that I cover, such as the Amy Mahalovic case, in the spotlight. So if you'd like to stay up to date on the cases that I have covered, as well as the new shows I have in the pipeline, please follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. Thank you so much again for listening. Please have a safe New Year's Eve. Until next time, as always, be healthy and stay safe. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, 
people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done. And that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.